0: Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James.
1: And I'm Pastor Dina.
0: And this week, we're taking a deeper dive into Acts 2 and the rollout of the new mission tag for the uh, for CCUPC. Um, the, it was kind of an overview sermon, and so we, we talked about Acts 2, 42 through 47, uh, talked a little bit about what the, the future of the church looks like, and uh, yeah, Pastor Dean, what did, what were some of the things that you've been a part of this process? So, what stuck out for you in the in the rollout?
1: I think first, just starting it and realizing that it had been so long since our particular church thought concretely about who we are and where are we going, and where is God calling us in the midst of where we're located right now, like, what is our purpose? And I, with the kids, I, I had them, I, I put some Legos out and said, build something, but didn't tell them what to build. And that has been so true of my experience of, of church in the last 20, 20ish years in seminary and here is there, there are good things being done. And yet often there are little individual good things that don't necessarily all fit together, which leaves us fighting over the resources and the time and the space and whose, priority, whose project gets priority. And so I think you summed all that up nicely as we think about where God is calling us with, uh, by, by asking us to think about what is our ideal church, and then also thinking about what is what kind of church did Jesus come and die for and are they the same and are they different where where is their overlap where is their difference and if my ideal church is looking pretty dissimilar from the church Jesus came for then why like where where is the disconnect and that's a lot to to reckon with as someone who loves the church and has always had positive, for the most part, positive experiences of church. To think about what is what is church really meant to be? Who? What is the church? And who who are we called to be? And of course, we all you know we can say the Sunday school answers the church isn't the building, the church isn't programs, and yet. What are we really acting like? Church is where are we putting our resources? Mm-hmm. Where are we putting our time? What what gets priority? And and those are hard questions to reckon with. I've kind of been bouncing them around in my brain all week, really.
0: <laughs> um, sorry to start a game of ping pong <laughs> then in yeah. your in your head. Um, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting question because uh, we, you know, I grew up in in Newcastle, PA. Um, and, uh, if you don't know, um, the, the nineties probably hit, um, just a few years ago in Newcastle, I think. (laughs) Uh, and so we were behind the, we were behind the times in a lot of things. And so in a lot of ways, the, the church I grew up in was very much a Christendom church where, you know, you just go to church on, Mm -hmm. because it's Sunday. Um, it was very easy to call people and say, Hey, it's Sunday, you should come to church. And, and, and they would. Um, because it was expected um, and that produces a certain type of church um, mm-hmm. you know it, it was produced by a certain type of culture at a certain time um, and it, it's very evident that that time has passed and so you know how does the church act how's it, how does the church grapple with the new reality because the ground has shifted underneath our feet whether we like it or not
1: yeah yeah, and certainly the, the church is not the only place where there's, we're sensing this shift. I think the brick-and-mortar stores mm-hmm. are trying to navigate this. The, the news um, in terms of magazines and media, they're trying to figure all this mm-hmm. out. Education is shifting too, especially with COVID and, and being at home and figuring out what can be online and what should be in person What and what works best and I feel like all of these organizations and including the church and maybe even especially the church are living with a foot planted in both worlds and you know how do I serve people who have had this one experience of church growing up and and still value this and want this and desire these things with a shifting culture that that is changing everything and change is hard and change can be slow and disorienting. And how do we do all this? And at the same time still be the church that Jesus wants us to be and not, not a social club, not
0: the United way. Yeah.
1: uh, Yeah. Not just a, a place that comes that we feel good because we can check off the box or we feel good because we see our friends, um, I, these are hard big questions and you had asked us to consider too are or the things we're spending our time on the things that make a difference and and in you know that and that question kind of informs or is informed by these other ones too what, where are we putting our resources and are they kingdom things and how do you even how how hard it is to even evaluate those because we are called to a multitude of ministries and in our in our new mission statement we we lay out that we want to expand Christ's community through worship discipleship and relationship and so these are different things and there are multiple aspects to each of those we figure out how mission fits in and how service fits in and how fellowship fits in so we it's not really clear like do this not that 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 the church the call of the church is so wide and yet so narrow in in thinking about what jesus calls us to
0: that's quite the opening salvo Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a few things that we could uh, unpack in there um first of all going back to the fact that the church isn't the only one dealing with change Um, you know, sometimes churches can feel, because we feel the, the pain up close, we think, oh my gosh, does anyone realize what we're going through? But you brought up the, you know, print media struggles with, um, with that, you know, it used to be, you had your, your local newspaper and that was who you got your news from. It was the local newspaper and it was Walter Cronkite at at six o'clock in the evening. And that produced a pretty, that produced one culture, um, but then things started changing i mean i so growing up i worked for sears (laughs) and i didn't think there would be a day that i would see that there would not be a sears roebuck and company yeah and uh, and yet and yet uh they are pretty much on their way out took kmart with them and yeah and and you go wow those were staples like yeah and Sears was I highlight Sears particularly because Sears was the the pinnacle of of the department store I mean they were the trendsetter when they came out with their catalog and um, the way that they did business was industry standard for mm-hmm. the longest time and you go, well what happened did they lose their footing no they didn't the ground shifted underneath them. Long in the nineties came this funny little startup on the on this internet thing called Amazon. Yeah. And and just ate Sears' lunch. Yeah. Uh and that wasn't again, they were still industry standard for that era, but the world changed around them. And they didn't change with that world. And so now they are no more.
1: <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I don't even know if it's sometimes I think we, we see things fall away like that because of a refusal to change. Sometimes I think we just don't even know what to change or where to go now. And and I think the, the news media with magazines and, and papers and stuff is a great example because some people are saying, no, I don't want your magazine because by the time you edit it and print it and get it to me, it's already old news. It's already out of date. So you better be putting all your best stuff online while there's an equally loud group of people saying, no, I want something to hold in my hands. I don't want something that can be edited, you know, on the fly. I don't, I want good, solid news. And so you have, you have two or more groups of people wanting different things from the same organization and an organization figuring out what is what is our call? What is our, our purpose? Who, who are we being called to serve? And how do we say to the other group kindly, you know, this is where we're going and I'm sorry if, you, if this is as far as you can go with us and you can't, you can't make this jump. And then also as we think even further down the line, like we're working so hard to figure out what's going on right now, what's coming down the line right? and, and how are we going to adjust to that? I think that's one place the church is not as great as it feels like we finally figure things out, and the culture is like, "Yeah, thanks, but we're five years ahead of you." Yeah. Again.
0: Well, even the the AI conversation that's going on kind of took yeah. me by surprise, and I I actually do have a Chat GPT account. Nice. Um. Uh. And it's it's fascinating to see how computers are becoming more responsive, and what does this mean for human society and human flourishing down the, down the pike, especially because, um, you know, especially because what are, what are the, the values of the culture? Well, uh, the value of the culture is to, you know, have a good job to be able to raise yourself up. And what happens when, you know, we start creating things that now take jobs away. Well, we forget that other jobs come available and so on and so forth. But, you know, it's just a reminder that if if our values are hitched to the society to the culture's values then we are not we're, we're going to be worried about every change that comes along whereas if we take a look at acts four uh, excuse me acts acts 242 through 47 we see the people of god being absolutely anchored by their common life together, by their their unity in Christ, by their love of the story of uh, of Jesus, um, and and that moment where Jesus's execution should have been looming large over them, it is not, and they are a they are a um, a community that is inspired by grace and a community that is anchored in the joy of Christ in the most difficult circumstances for them. Yeah. I mean, okay, they get 3,000 converts, that's great, but you know what? The Sanhedrin still doesn't like you. Yeah. And they're still in league with Rome. So, I mean, and so you're still associating yourself with a convicted, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, treason, uh, someone who committed treason in, in Rome's eyes. Um so there's still danger, but you never get a sense of that actually in that passage, um, because they are anchored to things that matter and last, um, and and as a result, they they have these lives of intrigue that that the people around them not only uh, say, "I wonder what's going on," they they have the respect of the people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, and again, it kind of comes back to those. Those questions of are the things we're doing working for the the good of the kingdom? The phrase you use a lot is moving the needle. Uh, you know, are <laughs> we? I do use that. Are we? Are we focused on the things that are improving our ministry? Are we focusing on the things that allow more people to? hear the good news or are we focused on on the institution or are we focused on things that make us feel better and as i ask those it's not to like i said it's not to slam the the existing church our church or or the church corporate because because so many good things are happening i mean the kingdom the kingdom of god is growing is strengthening is changing but but it may not always look i think especially as we take stock of the landscape around us it's not going to look how we think it's going to look that that maybe numbers and attendance and budgets and flash and and all those things that we use to point to Solid churches or good churches or influential churches, maybe those aren't the things that are going to endure.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to jot down a couple of thoughts here um, so that I don't lose them because there were there were two points that I wanted to make in that. Um, the first is going back to Sears: the fact that they were industry standard, and the fact that mm-hmm. that things changed around them, um, and and so. I would absolutely like uh, like you were saying. Absolutely there are good things going on. It's just when the ground is shifting, it's hard to to it's hard to figure out what to do next. Yeah. And so you can be it you can be doing everything right one day and wake up and find out it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And and that's just that's difficult. Um some changes are more um unseen. Um where for example, going from, from a cash to a cashless society, I mm-hmm. mean, I hardly ever carry cash on me anymore. I've just kind of shifted with that and it's been okay. Yeah. Um but the um uh, but Sears was industry standard. And so even the best churches, even the the churches that were on the, the cutting edge found themselves um not there anymore. And so what happens, and this is my second point, I'm glad I remembered it without writing it down. <laughs> my second point is that when things like that happen, we tend to circle the wagons. Mm-hmm. We tend to go to the things that we know. Um, and so if if we know how to run a Sunday school program, we will double down on that, regardless of what's going on around us. We just try harder on the things we know before we start to go into, well, wait, what's actually going on? How do I incorporate this new information into the way that I operate um it's that and and I say that to say that there's not a lot of blame because that's human nature yeah we want to feel successful we want to feel like we know how to do something yeah and so and in fact great example from the disciples Jesus dies what do they do fish yeah they They went back to to what what they knew Mm -hmm. and that's we do the exact same thing as church people
1: fishing and and hiding together in a locked room like they they circled the wagons they got together and and locked everything else out for a time yep. until Jesus came back anyway and kind of blew their minds but
0: yes and found them and went to them where he knew they would he would find them yeah I'm gonna find you in the fishing boats uh-huh. I, I wish I would find you actually on the mountain waiting for me but
1: but since you're not I'll come to you
0: and I'll cook breakfast in the process.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's hard. And I think, I think all of this change has left us in a place where we don't even know what the needs are. What do people want? What will, what will spread the gospel? What will attract people? And then, you know, when we ask that question, we also have to ask, well, why do we want to attract them? anyway and hopefully the answer is not just so that they can come be a member and put money in the offering plate but so that they'll hear the good news um and again that's a really direct and kind of snotty way to put it but you know why do we want to attract them and and how how are we going to do that when we don't know it's much easier when you can identify a need it's much easier when you can can look and say ah this community is lacking this and so the church can provide that but it's much harder when you have a bunch of preschool families and that you want to reach and you don't even know what do these families even need life is hard out there for the parents of, of preschoolers and young children and children of all ages um, but what do they even need how do we even support them where mm-hmm. do we start and you know we're hearing Parents don't want another weekly obligation for themselves or their children. That's not going to happen. They don't want to be asked to serve because they're already tapped out because every other organization is requiring this many hours or this <laughs> many shifts or or pay $250 or something ridiculous. Um, so if these things that we always did aren't what they want, how do we even figure out what what will be successful, what is needed. And and that's a scary, hard place to be because we have to reinvent everything.
0: Yeah, and and it requires that we go outside of ourselves too because so many of those conversations where, it, to me, the simple answer is just go talk to them, ask. Yeah. But you know what? That's not a natural response. Um, it's not a natural it, it, it's a not, it, you know, you just go, I don't know. I don't know. And yeah. And just imaginative gridlock sets in. Yeah. Um,
1: and even when you do ask, even that's not an instant. Most people aren't equipped to say, well, here's exactly what I need and what the church can do to meet my needs. You know, when you say, right. what can the church do to meet your needs? I, go, I don't know. uh You know, I'm so busy. I can't even think about adding something else. So to think about how the church can be a part of that is just another stressor.
0: I'm trying to find the reference on this passage, but um, what you made me think about is when Paul was sending Timothy to, I want to say it was to the Philippians. Um, It may have been to the Ephesians, but I can't remember for sure. But basically he says, um, I have no one else like him. Who takes a genuine interest in your welfare and it's so interesting that that you know uh, again we we put so many questions but are we taking a genuine interest in the welfare of others um you know the the community that's get that we read about in acts 2 is a community that that has a genuine interest in each other's welfare
1: yeah, they they took care of each other's needs. It's Philippians two twenty. Thank you. By the way, I found it. Um, but yeah, they 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 sold what they needed to to make sure everyone had what they needed. They, I assume that in the midst of that, that they took care of the health concerns and the the care concerns. Mm-hmm. And so you do get the sense that this wasn't just giving an offering. It it was it was genuine care for these people who had also joined this new fledgling faith with them, that they, now they had this kindred kind of of connection that probably in a way obligated them to help, like obligated in the best sense of the term in that, you know, I want this for you. The kind mm-hmm. of that love others as you love, you know, as, as God loved you and as you love yourself like that, like I want the best for me and I want the best for you as well and so here's how we can accomplish that together
0: yeah yeah and so it's it gives us a good antidote to the, kind of the gridlock of of right now where it's like i i don't know what to do i don't know where yeah. to go well we can start by taking a genuine interest and by the way that's that's the, what Christ did for us, took a genuine interest Mm -hmm. in our welfare so much that he empties himself of glory, comes down and dies on a cross for us. Um, And so we can start by taking a genuine interest in others' welfare. And that relates to the relationship aspect Mm -hmm. of what we were talking about. Um,
1: And that, that's a costly aspect too. I think so often the church reduces that to fellowship, to being physically together to um, eating a meal together, but, but to really enter into relationship with one another is costly. It's hard. It's time consuming. It, it breaks your heart. It requires you to choose differently how you use your resources.
0: It's interesting you say that because the word that I came up uh, that was in my mind is transactional. Mm. That that the church very much like the s- society has adopted this transactional nature of relationship, where I will stay in- engaged and involved so long as I get X, Y, and Z out of this relationship. Yeah, and and I think this is a this is a great warning and, and corrective to say it's not just about what we get out of it. You know, the consumeristic, um, you know. Milieu that we have is not to be applied to relationships.
1: Yeah, and again, we do apply that to so much. I know we we spend a, a decent amount of time talking about youth sports, but it's kind of the same. My kid will be a part of your team so so long as they're getting faster times or growing in their skills or getting the amount of play time. And as soon as those things aren't mm-hmm. happening, then then I'm grumpy and I'm going to take my kid elsewhere. Um, there we were at a swim meet this weekend and kind of mentioned one coach that walked by and a, and a swimmer who graduated from our program said yeah that's what happens when you're not happy with the way your kid's been coached and so you form your own swim team mm. and and so it's again that's that transactional like I don't like what's happening I'm going somewhere else or I'm going to make my own um, and we do that with so many things you know I'm not getting anything out of it. Yeah. even even our relationships when you well you know I I do all these things for this friend but they never ask me what I need and so I'm done I'm working away yeah. I'm not gonna put the time into that anymore
0: the I mean there was a big push uh, how many years ago to get all the toxic people out of your life and and you know as the church okay we have to have boundaries but at the same time, we have to live in the tension of Jesus died for the toxic people too. Yeah, um, and, and in fact, we were all toxic. <laughs> yeah, before before the redeeming love of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, uh, it brought us back to some semblance of what healthy relationship is, and I, you know, that's going to be important for the church, and and can be such a beacon of light in a community, um, even in a, in a more upper middle-class community mm-hmm. where this where the sins and the problems are not quite as evident um
1: yeah it's much easier to go into a lower income place or a place where there's a food desert or a place where there's a lack of child care or or something concrete when the church can say ah we can provide a food bank ah we can provide a daycare mm-hmm. we can you know kind of kind of reminds me of the movie Sister Act when they look around and say this is what the neighborhood needs we will make it happen you know or we'll be yeah. a, be a part of transforming the neighborhood because they are very clear concrete needs and that's not true of of our community of of many communities that are middle to upper middle class where there's not acute needs
0: yeah, because the needs that generally the upper middle class areas have are they're more of the things that we don't talk about. Yeah, um, we don't talk about um, we don't talk about the divorce rate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that happens, and all isn't that so sad. We don't talk about what happens to the family as a result of that. We don't talk about children's mental health as a result of that. Yeah, what does the breakdown of the family do? Um, and even. Uh, even the homelessness rate in some areas that feels like there ought to be zero. Yeah. And you find out, Oh, there are actually over a hundred kids that are homeless in this district. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah. 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 And all those unseen battles with addiction that, that don't necessarily look like someone living on the street and, and stealing to make ends meet, but like kind of the, the upper class addictions, the, the you know, the drug problems that, that come from affluence that, that may eventually lead to some of these stereotypical things that we see, but aren't here in our community in a, in a visible way. And yet they are here, you know, that, that, that drugs still are a problem, that the mental health is a problem, that poverty is a problem. It just looks different than yeah. we've been trained to view it.
0: Money is a problem. And and, and we don't, you know, that's a hard one where people are not willing to talk about. Um, and so it just looks a lot different. And so the, the gospel can still be brought to bear. Relationships are still broken. Um, there's still a need to disciple in the way of Christ there. And, you know, worship, I mean, talk about, in you know upper middle class, what do we worship in upper upper middle class land? You know, yeah. money, uh, money, uh, manicured manicured lawns, power, yeah. influence, status. Um, you know, you throw all those out, and it, they are all things that will come to naught. Yeah. Um, and but it's so much easier to forget. <laughs> yeah. Forget. Um, in those moments. So, um, that's why this this brief five verse picture is such an important picture as we think about who are we going to be as the church moving forward? Who are we going to be? And is this what Jesus died to create to, to go back to the question?
1: Yeah. You had also um, asked us to think about the idea of looking back so that we can look forward. Mm-hmm. And and again, like I said, I, I think there's a lot of stuff in the church church's history again individually and corporately that that should be celebrated and and should be lifted up and we've done great things and we have um made an impact and as we try to honor those things how do we not get stuck it's hard to not get stuck looking back and just wanting to replicate them for and ever forever and ever I know I'm a part of an organization that's been around for 118-ish years, and and there's constantly like, well, remember when we did this, and remember when we did that, and it, it can be tempted to, it can be tempting to keep looking back, and which which taints our looking forward. And again, knowing that the world around us has changed, and and looking back over 118 years, we only see the high points. Like we we don't remember the struggles as much. Mm. We don't remember the the valleys. Yeah. And so I think it's important to try and find that balance again between looking back, honoring our history, letting it inform our future, but not letting it dictate what we have to do and where we go is hard because there's grief in that. There's grief in that in when we're no longer what we were, for better and worse, because even no matter what metric you use if you're if you're bigger, you've sacrificed the relationships of being a small tight-knit organization if you go from bigger to smaller you give up the the power that a big organization has and the resources yeah and the resources and the the um momentum and so i think especially knowing the past couple weeks we had been talking about suffering and grief and and not always being the Happy, shiny church members that, that we can acknowledge, like, it's really hard when the culture changes around us. It's really hard when what we've been doing isn't working anymore. How do we, how do we grieve that and also not let it hold us back?
0: That's part of the reason actually why in the sermon, I felt it okay to go ahead and talk about the fact that, you know, um, that we've gone through a couple things in our recent history with the pandemic and the loss of, of Pastor Jim, Pastor Jim Moran, mm-hmm. that, that really shook us up. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't here for those things, but I know that they had a dramatic impact. Let's name that. Let's not, let's not sit in it for all eternity, but we have to understand, we have to be willing to name it and say, you know, these things did happen. And then what we have to remember is that hindsight is never twenty twenty. Yeah. Um you know we say that as a as a an aphorism that hindsight is 2020 20 when we realize things look good but i'm reminded of the stories about the exodus yeah and where the israelites are out and wandering in the desert and um you know, they're, they're complaining to yeah. Moses. They're grumbling. Oh,
1: Let's just go back to slavery because they had good food there. Yeah,
0: exactly. Do you remember when we used to sit around the meat pots and just <laughs> yeah. shoot the breeze and you're going, what?
1: Yeah. No, no, that's not how it was the, at all.
0: There were no pots of meat yeah. anywhere. You were not sitting around shooting the breeze. Yeah, you, you, you were
1: making bricks.
0: Yeah, you were making bricks and, it, and then you got stuff taken away from you. Like yeah. it was not all rosy and fun. Um, and so, you know, part of that is where do you believe your de- best days are? Mm-hmm. In those moments, we start believing that our best days are behind us.
1: Yeah, and I and I do think that whether we articulate it or not, that can that thought can plague the church so much as we lament where are people now, and church isn't as a as big of a priority. As it used to be and serving the church isn't as big of a priority as they as it used to be and there's no one around to to do this or that and no one wants to teach Sunday school or no one wants to do this that that implicit in all that there is this sense of we're never going to be what we were our best days are behind us instead of a, a admission that again, that, that the world is changing and God might be calling us to new things that aren't better or worse than the things in the church history. They're just different.
0: Yes, and that's... So I think C.S. Lewis captures this greatly in the Chronicles of Narnia because Aslan never shows up the same way twice. Mm-hmm. And, and each story in Narnia gets a, just a different aspect of things. And I actually had trouble... Um, when I was younger, reading anything other than *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*, because I mm-hmm. loved that depiction of Narnia, and it changed, changed, and Aslan changed in every single book. Yeah, I didn't like that. But then the brilliance of Lewis is that's how God operates. Yeah, He never comes the same way twice into our world. It doesn't mean He's any less powerful. It doesn't mean that He cares any less for our world. It just means he shows up in different ways.
1: Yeah. And in our finiteness, that's just so hard to wrap your brain around. I know I have a friend that that jokes, you know, for a church, if they've done something twice, it's, you know, it's the annual potluck or strawberry festival or whatever. (laughs) Like, you've only done it twice. Even we just went to a swim meet not that long ago and, and... the kids that we were with kept saying, "Well, it's tradition. Like we, this is only the second time we've done it. It's not a tradition yet. You did it one time, <laughs> so that that kind of brain brain set of like this was important and meaningful to me, and so I must do it forever and for all time." It's like, well, you know, we ate at a Texas Roadhouse. It's not that significant, <laughs> you know. Like, yep. we can go somewhere else, and life is still going to go on. Um, and so again, these are these are hard questions that the church needs to ask but I also think it's important to apply them individually too as we as we do the work in our own hearts about our relationship with God and our relationship mm. with the church and and our own spiritual health you know we talked about being devoted to teaching and fellowship and doing life together and and the church can't expect to be meeting needs and providing fellowship and that deep connection if we're not engaged in those kinds of things ourselves too. Like the church can't, the church can't carry the thrust of those things because we're only as strong as our members. And so when we, when when it comes to discipleship, for instance, like we're not going to be able to teach and form people. If If we haven't been taught and formed ourselves, if we haven't been taught and formed and aren't willing to do the work on our on our own, as well.
0: If we aren't captivated by the Word of God, why? How would we ever be able to teach someone else to be captivated by it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and again, this lifts up a theme that we've we've brought up several times that that life in the church is so much more than than an hour and fifteen minutes on Sunday morning, or an hour and a half if you count the cookies after. <laughs> um, that that it's not. It. it you had a great. Um, description of of faith as as we compare it to the technology of the day that you know faith isn't just an app that we have in our lives that we can open and shut as we need but it, it should be the operating system yeah
0: the, the the platform that makes everything else move yeah that runs under everything else and, and gives it cohesion and, and helps it communicate with the other aspects of our lives. Yeah, that was that was actually an analogy. Uh, so if you're thinking, I didn't hear that in the sermon, it's because it wasn't there. That's one of the things that hit the cutting room floor um, is this idea that, that faith isn't an app, it's, it's actually an operating system. Um, and operating systems like Apple, uh, like Mac, like Windows, like Linux, are designed to allow things to work.
1: And work work to the fullest. yes
0: yes. and so um, you know that's that's the whole point of, of of faith. It's not just this one discrete part of our life that we engage when we need something, but it is the underpinning to everything else that we do. So that was the that was part of what hit the hit the floor.
1: yeah. And, and I think as we consider the mission of our church, I do think it's important for each of us to think what is uh, and, the, and this is what I ask the kids to think about like what's the mission of your family like what's important to your family what are the values that your family holds and, and where do you want to be spending your time and resources and I think we you know we do that at the family le- level and at the individual level too like what are the priorities in my life how do they relate to the gospel if that's a priority which I hope it is, <laughs> um, Yes. you know, how does, like, what am, what are, where am I spending my personal time and resources? And then where is my family spending their time and resources? And then how does that inform every other organization that we're a part of, including the church? And I think that helps us to, I mean, it helps us to prioritize, it helps us to not feel like we're in turf wars all Mm -hmm. the time if there is i mean and i and i say that as a family too i would say you know the one thing that that trips my family up more than anything is whose stuff is going to get priority today Mm. like we all have somewhere to be we have two cars and two drivers five people everyone has somewhere different how how are we going to make this work whose stuff wins out today Mm. and um you know, plus the normal family stuff like cleaning and eating and mm-hmm. and stuff. What what things are going to get priority? And so, if we don't do the work of of discerning that, and, and I mean, I think part of part of discerning that is being captivated by the word, being rooted in in life together. Um, then we then we can't expect that the organizations we're a part of are going to do that too.
0: So I want to, I want to come around to kind of a, um, I don't know if it's a closing thought, but, um, some things that I haven't answered and, and we haven't talked about, um, with regard to our thoughts on the, on the church, I'm reminded of, of you've told a few people what the first question was that I had asked you, uh, probably about a year ago now.
1: Yeah, it was, well, it was on my birthday, so it was March. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the, one of the very first conversations James and I had uh he said are you hopeful about the church and he meant this at at that time he meant this specific Mm -hmm. church because he was discerning whether or not to come here Uh, we're glad he did (laughs) and you know of course on some level you think like well of course the answer is yes but but I've reflected on that question a lot over the last 15 months or so. And and the answer was yes then, and it's still yes now. Um, but it, it has given me kind of a a rubric to think through. It's given me a framework. Especially as you know, I'm I'm part time, which is kind of laughable in ministry sometimes. <laughs> You're dull time. Yeah. But it, it means that that I have limited hours in which to do the things that are asked of me and that i feel called to do and and all that i've often said oh man if i if i only had all the time and and energy in the world i would do really well at this but since (laughs) it's one of 15 things i'm doing this is gonna have to do um but that question has helped me to think like is this something that increases my hope in the church is this something Mm -hmm. that that to use james's phrase moves the needle on the kind of pastor i want to be and the kind of ministry that this church has and what we're known for um, and to what degree and, and how important is this? And, and it makes it easier to let some things go like, well, this didn't get done this week. It's going to have to be okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and even as, you know, I'm only nine, 10, maybe months, 10,
1: 10. We're coming up on 10 and a half.
0: Oh my goodness. Anyway. Um, uh, in the ten or so months here that that I've been at CCUPC, you know, that's uh, the reason I ask that question is because any organization, any any uh, in leadership that that is more um, has more affection for the past than the future has only a past and not a future, yeah. and so you know I view a lot of the challenges and a lot of the the changes not as as losses but opportunities for the future, and so. Um, you know, as we talk about all this, as we talk about the, um, uh, as we talk about the hope for the future and and um, and so on, I see a lot of possibility. I see a lot of hope. I, lo- I see a lot of areas that the church can speak life into the community. And so, you know, I am energized by seeing the the church as it was uh, the early church in Acts, and by the possibilities that we can have to engage the area and whatever and i'm sure whatever area you're listening from that there are possibilities for the gospel to really break in and make a meaningful difference in the community i mean you know things are things are not bright and cheery all across the land
1: no and that that's a good because when you asked me that question it did cause me pause and and like i said my answer was yes and it still is yes but you know, twenty twenty, as you said, was not kind to us. It was heartbreaking on a corporate level, as a church, on an individual le- level. As I said goodbye to a mentor that I loved dearly, um, the transition was hard. the The pandemic was hard, and figuring out all of the logistics of church, plus the bigger questions of how should we be together, and should we even be together, and how do we do this now when there are so many barriers in in place. Um, so many things that that 2020 brought that there were moments that that hope was was harder to put my finger on harder to identify times when the when the light did seem very far off even if it was still there um and and I think we do well to to acknowledge that even now like this is a hard time for the church we have we do have to figure out what's coming next Mm-hmm. knowing our best days are not behind us that god still has great things in store for us but but as i said before i think we also need to give space to grieve the things that are never going to be again yes. Like the church is not i i don't foresee in my lifetime the church ever occupying the place in culture than it that it once did like it's never sports teams and and picnics and extra stuff aren't going to say <laughs> you know what you all can have Sunday morning back. Yeah, it's exactly. Fine. We'll wait. You know <laughs> that we're never going to to have that cultural thrust that we did before, and that's okay. And, and we can be sad about that, and also know that God has great things in the future as well. That's
0: right, because you know, at, even though they the the believers enjoyed the respect of all the people here in Acts, that didn't mean that that. Society then reorganized itself around the believers. Yeah, it didn't but it respected them and it it, and gave them favor Uh, and I think we need to recognize that um, That respect is not wielding power Mm -hmm. and that's okay.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I just watched a documentary about a, a very popular church that did pretty quickly rise to a position of power And influence and and cultural dominance. And then real quickly, you know, it only took one or two scandals. And, you know, now they've been reduced by probably two thirds of what they once were. And and their name is associated with scandal and and that sort of thing. So it was just a good reminder that maybe power and influence aren't aren't the things that Jesus came and died for. Right. even though we feel like that's the best way to change the world around us maybe uh, maybe that's not what Jesus had in mind
0: yeah society society didn't reorganize itself around those early believers but those early believers had influence to help those around them know and love Jesus yeah and that's the exciting part of the yeah. That's the exciting part of the story.
1: And and it didn't end there and they did other things really really well and then you know you just have to read through the rest of Paul's letters to know that they also made some really big <laughs> missteps too and yep. so I think I think we can take comfort in a church that is still figuring it out and will be mm-hmm. until Jesus comes back because That's right. the culture is going to keep changing and we're going to get a lot of things right and we're also going to get things wrong. Too and and there'll be places where it's real clear like oh nope this wasn't the thing yeah um and then and there'll be surprising places where we say hey look at what what God did and we didn't even realize that we were being used to be a part of it so yeah
0: yeah so lots of good things I think there's a, a lot good in store for the church coming up I think that uh, this series on vision is going to be um, I hope it it helps people see what i see as opportunities and hopefully what you see as as well as opportunities mm-hmm. for the church uh in the near term and in the long term as well although i'm i as i mentioned uh actually prior to recording um you know none of paul's churches exist anymore yeah you know imagine being the elder that shut down the the, the one of paul's churches um at some point they had a last member um but even then their legacy is their faithfulness and, and their faith uh, to the world, and they are now uh, part of that great cloud of witnesses that cheers us on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a humbling thing to think of, that that God is eternal. The church is not necessarily—the church, the way we conceive of it, is not necessarily called to be eternal.
0: Right, right. So, well, if, uh, if you have found this episode helpful, if it has helped you— uh, uh, grow your faith in Jesus Christ, or or help you understand something that you need to understand. Would you take a moment to uh, like and review and share this on whatever social social media outlet you tend to uh, occupy? Uh, we would really app- appreciate it, and we want more people to know um, more people to know about Jesus and ways that we can follow Him. Uh, as well hit the subscribe button that way you can get episodes whenever they pop out it is the summer we can't make any guarantees about timing nope Uh, and so uh, that I think is all that we have for today so
1: other than tell us where you see hope tell us what you're hopeful for about the church tell us the the things that are making a difference in your life yes please do
0: please do uh you can email those uh to our church accounts either uh james benson at ccupc.org or dina roy at ccupc.org if i can say that correctly um uh cuz we'd love to hear from you um otherwise uh that uh i think we've wrapped it up for for so. this week so we really appreciate your time Uh, until next time, we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James.
1: And I'm Pastor Dina.
0: Have a good one.